Welcome back, everyone. So happy that you're joining us. I hope you had a fantastic time off for the holidays. Happy New Year. We took a few weeks off just to regroup, set our goals for this year. I hope you are doing the same. Welcome to a turn of events where we help put a positive spin on the future of your business. I'm Annette Nath, CEO and Creative Director of Nath Productions. We are a strategic event production company based in New York City. We specialize in corporate, social, nonprofit, and weddings. We are doing lots of virtual events. We are still doing virtual. However, we are starting to work on live events, and I am super excited about that. We have our first live event in Orlando in, in March, so it's a three-day event. It is going to be a hybrid. It's really, it's called Evolve, so if anybody wants to check it out, I've been sending lots of social media posts out about it. We're going to just start marketing on it, so we're excited. So we are doing virtual, we are doing some live, and we're doing some hybrid. We're doing a mix of everything. We have lots of things going on this year. If you have no idea what to do and you have an event and you want to talk to us, happy to give you some advice or help you out with your events. We also have, I started a Facebook group for event planners. So it's called Event Planner Society. It's a place for event planners only to come together with other driven, creative, passionate event planners. We love our vendors. I cannot do events without them, but it is for event planners only. I put this event, this group together to help event planners around the world create six-figure business with system strategy and teams making sure that you know how to put all of that together. It's a place for networking, gaining referrals, improve your mindset, building your business, and getting unbelievable free training from me, my 30 years in the industry. And I'm going to be putting together a workshop, a free workshop in the next couple of weeks. We're going to start marketing it. So you must come. I'm going to talk about how to get clients and what do you do when you get them. So I think this is good for everyone, but we it's just troubling times right now. A lot of event planners who have had businesses have struggled with how to pivot their businesses, or if you're looking to start an event planning business, this is definitely for you. So go on over to Event Planner Society, drop me a note, and let me know when you've joined, and I can't wait to see you there. Okay. My next guest, I'm super excited, Craig P. Anderson is the leadership and business planning expert and founder of Clear Path Coaching and Consulting. We're going to have, we're going to talk about leadership, which is really important. Become the leader you aspire to be. So let's welcome Craig to the show. Hi, Annette. How are you? I'm awesome. How are you? Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you as well. Yeah, we can still say that. We're yes. the first, I usually stop saying it like the second weekend, but. <laughs> works for me. Yeah, it works for me. We need a happy new year for sure, especially after last year. So. Yeah, absolutely. I'm really excited you're here. Leadership is big. You and I are in the same coaching program, Unstoppable Entrepreneurs, and they talk a lot about leadership, which has come up. And so I can't wait. First of all, I want you to tell everybody who you are, what you're all about, where you came from and how you created your business. Of course. So I spent about 25 years in corporate America working for Fortune 100 companies, some based out of New York, some based out of other places, and really grew my career through those leadership ranks there. And one of the things that I always found was there's just so many challenges and so many hard lessons that you have to learn. And you rack your brain thinking, oh my gosh, no one's ever had to deal with this before. Yeah. 
what you don't know is everybody's had to deal with it before, but it's hard to get the benefit of that expertise. As I grew through my career, I really tried to understand how to become a better leader in those settings, had an opportunity to sit in the big chair, starting my own business, spun out a division of another company to say, how can I apply those lessons to that and see, work those things out the way I thought a company should be run, had a lot of success, grew it from a half a million to 5 million in revenue in three years, great place to work in Indianapolis where the company was based. And then decided I'm done doing this for other people or for companies. I want to help other people who are sitting where I was 10 years ago, become the leader they want to aspire to be. And to the extent we can create some shortcuts so they don't have to go through all that pain. That's what we're really trying to do is help them to put together those plans, help them to put together the structures to let them have success faster. So that's where I came out of. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, the pain is always, there's a lot there. I know when I started my business, it was painful. I had nobody, I didn't know how to be an entrepreneur. I came from 30 years of corporate doing events, but still I had no idea how to run a business or even be a leader, really. I knew in my own thinking of just knowing that leadership is, is important and it's good. And, but really how do you, or how do you be strategic about it and how do you really bring it into your business and what, so it's really great that you are, are doing this. I, which I love leadership. So why don't we talk about what is leadership? What's the difference between being a leader and being a boss or they have things about that. So what is leadership and how has leadership, the leadership role changed over the last 10 years? Leadership, there's leadership and there's management, right? And there's a whole lot of people who are great managers, make sure the trains run on time. Leadership is something more. Leadership, when you're in that role, you're the one casting the vision. You're the one whose job is to get everybody on board and aligned so everybody's rowing in the same direction. There's an aspect of it that's much more about inspiration and less about just the ticking and tying of little things every day. So at the end of the day, as the leader, it's all on you. People look to you for guidance. If you think it's important for something to happen, people are going to look to see if you're doing it. So leadership is that focus. It is that building on the larger goal and it's bringing people together. And I think that's been what we've seen over the last 10 years as the millennial generation or as on a podcast I run and we talk about them as the next generation of leaders. We're really starting to see a difference in the way that we what we expect of leaders. And I think a great example has been what we've been through the last year. Nobody wants to see the stoic. It's all going to be, we're fine. Everything's fine. That picture of the dog with everything on fire behind, everything is fine. Yeah. Yeah. They're looking for a leader who can empathize with what's going on. They want to be inspired by that vision, but they also want to know that they have some empathy for what's going on. They want to know it's fine to say, hey, I'm a little nervous about this too, but here's why I see hope. Here's how I see us going forward. Here's how we're going to get there. But first, it's not realistic to sit up and say in times like we've been through to say, oh, I've got this all under control. That's nobody believes you. (laughs) So it's really I think that's what we've seen is this evolution over time that the leadership role is much is much about making things happen. But it's also about casting that vision and inspiring leaders to follow them. And that's when we look at this generation of leaders coming up, the millennials and the group behind them, they want to get aligned with a mission. They want to be with a mission-driven organization, and you can be a mission-driven plumbing company as easily as you can be a mission-driven company bringing water to Africa. But if you don't communicate that, it's hard for your team to get lined up behind you. 
and just being the support and being a big cheerleader for your team is really important. I know when I run events, there are hundreds of, I have a hundred vendors that will come in. I have to make sure that I'm leading them and getting, letting them do what they are best at doing. I don't need to be the spotlight when I'm doing these events. I want it. The whole thing comes together. That to me is helping them create a really amazing experience and the clients happy. But so what do people expect when they think about taking on a leadership role? Yeah, I think people have these visions of what it's like to be in charge. I want to be in charge. That's my career goal is to be in charge of everything going on in the business. Yeah. Right? And, and I don't want anybody to tell me what to do. I want to decide what happens and, and I'm going to make a lot of money doing it. That's what we think about. But then as we, and I think that's this view when you're very young in your career, but as you start taking on these leadership roles, you start to realize, or at least good leaders start to realize that it's a tremendous honor and responsibility to be in that chair. And what you don't realize is, yes, you have, you get to make all the decisions, but there's a weight to those decisions. And that's a burden that you carry as a leader. And that's something that people don't think about. So they sit down in the leadership chair thinking, all right, we got it going on. And then they're like, oh, my gosh, if I make the wrong decision, these 50 people could be out of a job or these customers that I've promised to do something good for aren't going to get what it is they wanted. So you start to realize that this is a tremendous responsibility to take on that leadership role. And you also start to realize that you set the tone. People look to you. And you set the tone for how the organization goes forward. And I don't think a lot of people thinking and aspiring to these leadership roles realize that 25, 50 people are going to be looking to them on a daily basis for how you behave, how you react. Those are important things. And I've been with great leaders in my career, and I've been with really bad leaders in my career. And it sets the tone for the whole company. It's something I don't think people really think through. And I think part of the challenge is most programs don't teach you, they'll teach you how to be an accountant. They'll teach you how to be a doctor, but there's very few programs that teach you how to be a leader. And people run into those roles and then they struggle with it. So what you mentioned, good and bad leaders, what makes a bad leader? Because obviously I think subconsciously we be good, you know, kind to your employees and all of that, but what makes a bad leader? I think there's there's lots of different kinds of bad leaders. There's absent leaders who sit in their office. And I actually made this mistake early on when I took on a leadership role, sitting in my, I had my office. It was a very nice office. Yeah. And when I moved into it, the way everything was set up, my back was to the door. And here these people are with this tremendous change that I was respected to take through the, the organization through. And I was a bad boss because I couldn't even look out the door and see people all day. Yeah. And that's one of the things I realized is, I need to be out in front of the people. So one of the things that makes a bad leader is somebody who is just absent from the business who says, I've got a leadership team and they talk to the people. I don't talk to the employees. So that kind of absent or detached leader is one. Another one is where they just don't do a good job of clarifying the vision and having a consistency in how we approach problems. If everything is haphazard, Nobody knows how to make decisions around you, and it's just chaos. So it's another important piece. I did have a boss once, and everyone knew who he was, but he wouldn't even know if one of his employees was in the elevator with him. Oh, And his manner was such that he wasn't very approachable. And so sometimes you have to fake it a little bit, and, you know, that's just part of taking on the role. So, you know, there's a lot of challenges to it. Obviously, you make bad decisions, and there's leaders who make bad decisions, 
but how did they get to those bad decisions? We all make mistakes, but are they pulling the team together or are they divisive? There's leaders out there, actually the worst leader I ever worked for, his whole philosophy was, we'll just pit everybody against each other. Yeah. And see who survives. That's not good. No, it was not a long-term job for me, but it was, so those are the kinds of things that I think make a bad leader. It's, It's about pulling people together. It's about setting the way forward. And if you're not ready to take on those responsibilities, there's no reason you can't be an individual contributor. And sometimes that's just the right role for people. Yeah. Listen, I, when I'm doing events, if I have to pick up a mop and scrub a floor or what, I'm hands-on. Even though I'm running the company and I have everybody, you know, caterers and all the vendors that are there to do it. If I see something, I'm not going to just stand back. So you are an example. If you are doing things that are positive in your business, then oh, it's, yeah. it, they're going to see that. And so I've always been hands-on and I think it's important. And I don't, I'm never above anybody that's in my business because they might have great ideas. I don't need to be the one to come up with all the ideas. Absolutely. I, and, I, and I think communication is super key. And I always want to meet with them, my team and say, look, what can I do to make your job easier? What will make you ha- what issues are you having? What obstacles are you coming across? What can make you happier in the job? If there's a system that I put in place that doesn't work for you, I tell me what it is and then we can fix that. So it works for them because everybody works differently. I think communication is super important. And I learned that early on, especially I had a, a girl that I put into a position and she wasn't good with logistics. Like, it, and I didn't realize that not everybody's good at every single job when it comes, if, if you say you're an event planner, it doesn't mean that you're good at doing logistics. Maybe some people aren't good on site. So you have to realize, wh- find out what their strengths are and work towards those. And that's gonna, I think that helps making you a better leader. Do you agree? Absolutely. Yeah. It's look, there's all kinds of jobs that have to be done and you want to fill all the roles to do it, but sometimes you just got to roll up your sleeves and do it. Sometimes you've got to call that angry customer. Sometimes you've got to go fix the coffee machine. There's just things that you sometimes have to do. And when you do those things, that kind of is the rising tide that lifts all boats because everybody understands that we're all marching towards a larger cause here. And that's what we're trying to do. And that's where I come back to things like clarifying the mission and helping everybody understand when they see the leader doing it. And that's beneath a leader. No, that's about we have a job to do. Our goal is to move this company forward and to solve the problem we created this company to fix. Exactly. So what surprises people in their first leadership role? I think the biggest surprise, and it's so funny because people don't think about it. And then when you bring it up, everybody says, gosh, you're so right. And it's as you become a leader, you think, here I am. I'm surrounded by all these people. But you feel incredibly lonely and incredibly isolated because, one, you're dealing with problems at a higher level. Two, everybody who comes to you with the best of intentions has an agenda. Your direct reports, your employees, they're bringing you advice, but everybody has an agenda. Heck, your spouse or your partner has an agenda. So I think you start to realize that all this responsibility, I can get all kinds of advice, but ultimately this all rests on me. And that feeling can be very isolating, no matter how well I had a team and we all got along great and we had a good time. But when the really difficult decisions came, I was a man on an island and you have to make that decision. And that can feel, I think that loneliness and isolation is something that people really struggle with. And it's something I always open up. I do part of what I do is group coaching. And 
I always bring that question up early on and just around the room, everybody's like, yes, that's exactly the thing that I struggle with the most is the weight of the decisions I have to make every day. And so what can you do to work through that? What I really, part of it is you've got to find a way to get some independent input, support, and advice. Sometimes that's through a one-to-one coaching relationship who can help you not necessarily carry the burden, but help you think things through so it feels like less of a burden. Another thing that I think is a great tool for leaders is having that group, whatever you might want to call it, a mastermind, group coaching, whatever it is, where you have a bunch of, a handful of people around you who are sitting in the same chair you are in a non-competing organization who are only there to help you think through problems and help you be accountable to those things. And they're there because they're hoping you're going to do the same for them. And so you get rid of some of that bias and it becomes a real trusted community that they don't even realize they need it. And that's a big thing that I think helps leaders to know I'm not alone. You remember what I said earlier, you run into these problems, you think, oh my gosh, no one's ever had this. Chances are if you're in a group coaching room with six or seven other leaders, three of them have probably already dealt with it and give you three different perspectives on what your next step might be. Yeah, I'm all about mastermind groups, network groups where you're all in the being around the same like-minded people and having the same struggles. So I've learned a tremendous amount because again, when I started, I didn't know how to be an entrepreneur and that was tough. Like I knew how to run events. I didn't know really know how to run the business, but I just didn't know how to be an entrepreneur. I really didn't know what that meant because they didn't, there's a lot of entrepreneurs now because when the economy crashed 10 years ago in 2008, a lot of people lost their jobs. And so they started their own businesses basically. So I feel like in my generation, that's when it started. It's been a, it's still, you, you learn all the time, no matter whether you've been an entrepreneur for 30 years or 10 years or five, whatever, you're always learning. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Okay. So as leaders achieve higher levels in the organization, what do they find increases with higher responsibility levels? It's a lot of things, right? One of them is stress, right? It's yeah, just, sure. And the distraction of all the attention, all the things that you have to pay attention to. So as you start moving up, one, you know, there's fewer options for you to get to the next level because it's a narrowing pipe, right? And two, you're carrying more and more responsibility and you start to realize, gosh, here I was this person. I look to myself as an experience. Here I am, this guy with an English degree. Yeah. And suddenly I'm responsible for 100 employees, a billion dollar loan portfolio. And by the way, the economy's tanking in 2008 to 2010 and credit's blowing up. What are you going to do? You start to feel this stress just creeping in on you. Now, there's great. It's benefits and the rewards are fantastic, right? Financial upsides are usually huge. But if that's all you're carrying into it, that's not going to offset the downside. It has to be you have to find a deeper meaning for why you're there and why you want to do this. Getting promoted just to get promoted is not really going to it's going to pay the bills, but it's not going to keep you satisfied. Yeah. So how are you tap? You need to tap into kind of the larger mission of what you're trying to do and get focused on what is it we're trying to do to change the world, whatever that might be. Ours was helping kids go to college or whatever. It's trying to tap into that, but it's just the weight and the burden and the stress, unless you're just some kind of maniac yeah. and it doesn't bother you. At some point it's coming out. It's those 3 a.m. wake ups where it's just, ah, oh, yeah. so I get that. I think it's a struggle. Yeah, I get this sometimes before an event, but oh, I'm sure. Yeah, but honestly, I have to say, just because you want to make sure you don't sleep through an alarm or whatever, because usually you have to get up. 
But honestly, if you have the right systems in place and the right people, and it just, it all falls together. And I generally, when we're prepared, if you're prepared, then it's usually, that makes a difference. So how can you lead when you're not in a leadership role to prepare yourself for it? Yeah, that's, you know, one time we were working with a bunch of people and a guy, they were, I don't know, manager level, director level, and they were seeing all these problems in the organization. And their default answer was like, we're not in charge. We can't fix anything. Right. And that's never the answer. Every role you have, whether you're three level or you're at the highest level of the organization, you have an opportunity to lead. You have an opportunity to see that way forward, to say, here's a problem. Here's how I think we can fix it and get that in front of the right people who can make that decision. You lead by even with teams around you that may not be people who report to you, but you can create that leadership role of trying to pull that team together to help set and trigger the vision for them so they understand, oh, yes, this is what we're doing. You don't always have to have the title to lead a team. That's not the re- leadership doesn't come from the title. The kind of leadership I think is important. It's that moral authority of leadership and it's that vision casting. It's the ability to pull the team together and get the right people in the right places and work through situations and help people help support the rest of the team towards that success. So where you, you have the opportunity just from the way you position yourself, the way you present yourself and the way you treat other people. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, there's always the opportunities within an organization to try and get on teams, to try and serve and seek out those opportunities. You can even refine your leadership skills in a neighborhood association or leading a flag football team. There's always those opportunities to look for where you can do it. But within your corporate or job setting, look for those opportunities to be the person out front who is setting the tone and helping people succeed in a larger scale, not just keeping yourself in that role as an individual contributor. Yeah. And I'm a natural born leader. So I learned that by having my business and getting, I just, I have that ability to do it naturally. If you don't have that ability, what's some advice that you can give somebody who's more extroverted, but they're, they would be great. Is it, can you be an extrovert and still be a leader? I think you can be an extrovert and be a leader and you can be an introvert and be a leader. Right, I meant extrovert. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, I, and I will tell you, I'm, I'm an introvert. And so it's just, I think, how you recover your energy. Yeah. It's standing up. And it's for, for me, it was always, I could stand up in front of the team, but it was exhausting. When I was in a sales role with the national sales team and having a four-day sales meeting where you're up front in front of people all day, every day. Yeah. For some, for, if you're an extrovert, that's very invigorating. If right. you're an introvert, it's exhausting. Yeah. So I don't think the introvert extrovert dynamic is what really makes you a good leader. It's your ability to step into that role right. and help people see the vision forward. How much energy it takes you to do it is really where the difference is. Right. If you can be an introverted leader, perhaps the way you drive influence and you move things along is you have more one-to-one meetings and that's where you really work to set the tone and build the team and grow people versus your energy isn't going to be able to do that with a group of 20 people in front of you. But you can always take the opportunity to provide guidance, to provide that leadership one-to-one and build your team that way. And there's just different opportunities to do it in different ways you may need to do it. Yeah. And if you just jump into it and do it, it will get easier. And it's like, it's like when I started the show, I was like, oh my God, I hate being on video. I, this is going to, this is, I'm scared to death. And it gets easier and easier. And it's second nature after a while. So if you really have the desire to do it, just jump in and eventually it'll become second nature. How do you define the leader you aspire to be? 
I think this is really part of, and this is where I think people could use a lot of coaching to try and see and define what that success looks like. But to figure out the leader you aspire to be, it's a combination of factors. It's the values you have for yourself. It's what success looks like to you. It's also what the difference is and the change you want to make and the way you want to change people's lives. For me, a big part of what I did of my business was largely a call center business and call centers are notoriously tough businesses with many times people who are not always in the best place in life. And part of what I wanted to do, the leader I wanted to be was to run a successful company to prove that these techniques I believed in would work. But I also wanted to change people's lives, both external to the company and our clients and internal. So how do we help people? I wanted to see how I could help those call center people see a larger possibility in themselves. So it's really defining along with both your internal values of who you are and decide how that externally expresses in a leadership role and what the changes you want to make in the world. So it's really a very detailed exercise and usually a couple weeks work to really start to figure out, all right, what does that look like for me? What do I want to define success like for myself? And then the work is, all right, here I am. If that's what I want to be, let's do a real inventory of what I'm at today. And let's build a plan for how we're going to get there and how we're going to deal with the inevitable roadblocks that are going to slap us in the face when we think everything's going well. Everything's going well. And then COVID. So it's dealing with, but how do you deal with those roadblocks? So it's important to spend the time and really inventory who you are and where you are. And then let's figure out what the changes I want to make and then build myself a path to how I'm going to get there and whatever tools I'm going to need to do it. Yeah. So that's the strategy of how you evolve into it is just, yeah. yeah, yeah I think yeah. it's very much, I use the word intentional a lot and it was my word last year for my word of the year, <laughs> but it's really deciding who it is you want to be. And then you have to assess yourself every day. Am I living up to that value? Where do I have to grow today? Is there a skill I need to do that better? A skill I need to acquire? Is there training I need that I have to go out to acquire it? Or is it just as simple as I need a mentor or a coach who can help guide me and point me in the right direction when I start to go? So it's individualized for every person. If you just define it as I want to make a lot of money and tell people what to do, that's not really leadership. So let's think about the leader you want to be. What do you want to be remembered for? We all have that boss. We remember who was great and changed the course of our career and our life. And we also remember the boss who was a jerk and we couldn't wait to get out from under their thumb. Which leader do you want to be? And how do you want that to manifest in the world? Well, that's that's how I learned a lot of things of of what not to do. Because Mm -hmm. I worked in film and television for many years. And as many of that's a brutal business to be in, especially 30, 25, 30 years ago, for women, it was a challenging industry to be in. I wanted to be a producer, but that wasn't going to happen. So I I did events. I was producing events. But as a a producer for film, it just women weren't getting that. So it's it's definitely tough. So I, I definitely paid attention to what I didn't like, and I do not bring that into my business at all. I think the leadership, the, the way the business is and runs and is projected is starts at the top. So That's right. I want to make sure that I'm protecting my employees and they're happy and they're going to work for me. So they're going to, they have the vision of my business. We were just, I think in our program that we're in right now, they were talking about bring the people in and make sure they know the passion of your business and what, what, you know, what your business is about and, and where it's going. Cause 
get them on the same path. What quality, what qualities should you, should you aspire to as a leader? A part of this, I think, is individualistic as, as we align with the leader that you want to be. But I think there's just some core principles around inspiration and being a change maker, both externally and internally to your company and digging in to say, how can I, how can I show that I'm, oh, I've lost the word, but how can I show that I'm empathetic with my people? but can also realize that sometimes the answer is not the easiest answer in the world. For example, when our business was going through a lot of regulatory change and we had to start closing down aspects of the business, that's not the most empathetic thing to do, laying people off. No. But you can do it in a way that treats them like valuable human beings, and you can do it with empathy, and you can do it with care. Right. Or you can get into a room and go, hey, guys, tough times. We're going to have to cut you. I'm going to step out. The HR person will tell you what happens That's next. That's horrible. Yeah. And I've seen it. So it's about, so that kind of empathy is in, in all things. Sometimes it's a tough decision, but can you do it in a way that treats people with respect? Yeah. So th there's just different ways to look at it because you do sometimes have to make tough decisions. That's the nature of business, especially last year. Everybody had to make decisions yes. they didn't want to make, but they're trying to keep the larger business afloat for as long as possible so right. they can bring people back down the road. Right. So how do we do that? That's, I think, we try have to figure out how can we make the best decisions possible for the business in the way that most benefits our employees and at least treats them with respect. Most right. people will take a lot of tough messages if you treat them with respect. And that I think is another key piece of being a good leader. Yeah, yeah, very good advice. How do you keep your pulse on the business when you have several layers of leadership between you and the front line? Yeah, the greatest piece of advice I ever received was where you have the opportunity to do some work that doesn't require a lot of focus, get out where your people are. So. One of the things that I did when we moved into a new building with our business was I thought so many times we give the execs, the corner offices and the window offices. We put the execs in the middle yeah. and I made sure that my office opened up into kind of our common area, the break area and different areas like that, because I wanted to actually be able to hear what was going on. But I right. also wanted that opportunity to be out there. So I would always take my lunch. Maybe it was a 20 minute lunch, but I would always take my lunch out in that area and just have conversations. You need to be in front of the people in your organization. If you're bigger than if you're a really big organization, there's still opportunities to touch base when you go out and do site visits. Are you sitting down with the person on the phones or the person on the line? Right. Where are you getting those touches to really understand what's going on? Sometimes these challenges that are going on in the business. Once they filter to you through two or three levels, you're not necessarily getting the whole story because you start getting that kind of protection. Everybody wants to look as good as they can, right. but get down to where the people are really dealing with the issues because the other piece of that is they see the real problems and opportunities in your business and they can help you understand the things you can do that may not take a lot of effort or a lot of money, but if you make them, they're going to make a huge difference in your efficiency. I used to tell my sales teams look, guys, let's all talk about what's working for you because you're out there all the time. I can sit up here and bang on the table and say, do it this way, do it this way, what works and what doesn't in your market. So let's talk about what those things are. I don't think, I think you always want to make sure you're, create, you're creating that opportunity and that voice for the people at the lowest levels of your organization. A lot of times we just think well, they're just people or they're just complaining or we don't want to tell them because we don't want to scare them. But here's the deal. If you're not out there talking to them and business isn't going great, who knows first? Yep. The people on the front line, because they're suddenly like, man, I used to be, yeah. now I'm not. 
And if you're not talking to them about that, they don't know. So it's really the key to get in front of as many people as you can and make that part of your routine. Have that opportunity to be in front of people. If it's a bigger organization, have the town halls. Let people ask you questions. Let people give you information. That's how you start to get things done. Yeah, great advice. I totally agree. And every time I have a, a meeting and we're going to you know, talk about an event and put some ideas together for design and things like that, I want everybody involved because it's the younger ones. I, I've exhausted all these ideas. 30 years, this brain is exhausted. So I love all the new things. I try to keep up on all the trends and I post a lot and I'm very much involved in the industry and stuff. I, I want to hear what's going on and what's working. So we told, we said this at the beginning, communication is everything. Yeah. You know? well, it's so funny because a lot of leaders will say, let's get out and get the voice of the customer. I'm going to go out on visits and talk to our customers. But the, the, the bigger leap is let's get down to the floor and talk to the people. Yeah, they know right. what's going on. And a lot of times when you do that, it, it's a huge event. Right. Hey, I got to talk to the, the CEO today and he, yeah. he actually listened to me. Right. How much does that get you towards goodwill and engagement right. and employee who's going to stay that extra 15 minutes yeah. to get and it done? Expired and excited about the company. That's what you want is everybody on board and, and, and excited about the business, about the company. Yeah. I think that's exactly. really important. I, I worked many bit companies that did not do that and it wasn't a fun place to be working at. So, yeah. Okay, so we're almost coming down to the end here. I could talk about this forever. I loved this topic. It's great. So as a leader of a growing organization, how do you best stay in control of how the business grows without being a micromanager? And I have worked for many with for many micromanagers and it's a nightmare. Yeah. One thing I'm not. I delegate and go do it. That's I'm big on that. If we've seen one thing through all this with all these jobs going to remote work, and people dealing with all the things in their lives because now they're working from home. We have to evolve to the point where we trust people to get the job done instead of sitting down saying, what did you do from 8.30 to 9.30 today? And how much did you accomplish? But the way you start to get there is you start to get really clear with yourself and for the company around what's the mission and vision for the company, right? Why do we exist and what are we going to look like? Get really clear on how we measure success, how we do business. How do we hire? How do we fire? How do we interact with customers? How do we solve problems? And then what are the project priorities? And a lot of times we want to keep that at the top of the house and keep that really close to the vest. Right. But that doesn't do you any good because now everybody has to look to you for the decisions. I find with, I work a lot of times with scaling small businesses, right? So it was, they found it, it's been successful. They had a team of helpers around them. But now they need, they're getting to the point where they used to tell everybody what to do and everybody could come to them. But now they're the roadblock because there's 15 or 20 employees running around. Right. But they can't get the how of the business out of their head in a way that can be easily communicated so they can trust the leadership team and execute. So if you want to have people getting away from micromanagement but still getting the job done is really incumbent upon the leader to be very clear and communicate the how and what's important and what's not important. And when everybody in the organization understands what the priorities are and what measures of success are the ones that we care about and how we treat customers, you don't have to micromanage them because they know how to do it. Micromanagement is ultimately the insecurity of the leader. If you didn't hire good people and you don't trust the people you were, that you brought into the organization, you're gonna micromanage. Exactly. Or you can enable them to do the things the way you want them to do. 
and help them understand what's important. So it's all about that communication process to help people understand the how, because nobody wants to, we all want to take our vacation and nobody wants to make five calls back to the office a day to make sure things are going right. I know. Trust your people, but give them the resources, empower them to do the things they need to do. That's interesting. Have you, how have you seen how people are, have you had a pulse on that? Like how they're, I, my company was run as a virtual company. I own my own business. So I work from home. I have office from home, but I haven't been in the corporate world for 10 years. And these companies had to, people are, are going virtual now. So how is that? I don't know anyone that's really, or no one's really talked about it. I know a few people that are working from home, but how has that changed? Have you seen how they're managing that or? It depends on the work that's being done, but depending on the work, but in some ways, one, you're trusting people to say, Hey, look, this project has to get done by this date. Yeah. However you need to get there. I understand you're now working from home and by the way, you're a school teacher and you're this and you're that at the same time. If I don't see you online between two and five, but the project's done on needs to be done on Friday and it's done on Friday, I'm no longer going to get hung up about that. Right. On the other end of the spectrum, one of the things that has been amazing to me, and I have a client with a very large call center, and call centers were always the thing you said, gosh, I have to keep those people in line. I have to keep them focused. I have to make sure they're working. Right. But in this era, they had to find a way to make that work. So they've got them out there. They've created tool sets to make sure that the answer rates and all the things that are happening and they ultimately said, they said, we do background checks. We strive to hire great people. We have to trust the people that we hired. Now, trust and verify, right. but trust them to do the job and they will do the job. And then if they don't, you have to go deal with that. Right. But first place the trust that they understand the job. They'll do the things they need to do. And to the extent they're not performing well or they're not doing it, don't create a rule for 400 people yeah. because you're afraid to confront two. Confront the two and give the power to the rest to do the job you hired them to do because you hired great people. Great advice. Great advice. On that note, because we, how do you end any better than that? But I'm so happy that you were here. I love talking about this. How can people find you? Sure. Two quick and easy ways. One, you can find me on LinkedIn, Craig P. Anderson. I'm right out there. Would love to connect with you there. The other area I'd like to invite everybody to join is we've created a community called the Clear Path Leaders Forum. And what we do in there is we bring these leaders together to have these conversations and to figure out how their best way is to move their business forward and get that advice from people who are going through what they're going through. You can join that group at clearpathcoaches.com slash community. We'd love to have you join us. And when you join the group, I'll send you out a white paper that we've put together called Cutting the Confusion, Five Ways to Become a Better Leader. And a lot of the lessons that we've talked about today can be found in that. So join our group and we'd love to have you be part of it. Yeah, that's awesome. And what is the, that, can you repeat that? Um... Sure, it's clearpathcoaches.com slash community. Okay. And that'll take you right into our community and get you registered. That's awesome, awesome. Thank you so much for being here. I know that you also work, you do work with uh, companies. You have organizations that you work with. How does that, how, talk about that a little bit. Sure, The yeah, so I do a lot of, we do a lot of different work. We do one-on-one coaching, we do group coaching, and then we also help leaders put together those plans that I was talking about to really identify their best way forward and get clear on what the business is all about and putting those groups together for them to communicate. And as a matter of fact, if they join the community, we're right in the middle of providing a training of that right now where they can get all caught up real quick and easy. So that's great. 
yeah, we'd love to have them there. But yeah, we work on all kinds of things from one-to-one -one coaching to group coaching to help you casting that vision that can communicate yeah, across. And I, I also too, with how things have changed virtually, there it's a different way of being a leader. So I think having you is definitely a benefit to helping them. So thanks thank so much. You're welcome. And thank you so much for everything you do. And I'm so happy that you've been here and you've joined us. Oh, absolutely. It was a pleasure to be here. Good talking to you. Thank you. You too. Okay, everyone. Thank you so much for being here. Join us next week. We have another amazing, I don't even know who it is yet because I got to look at my notes, but it's going to be another amazing speaker. And uh, thanks so much for being here. We'll see you guys later. Take care. Bye. Bye-bye.